0: It's a brave man who launches into the sermon before it's been preached, isn't it? Well, <laughs> but, but, but you did hear the three things, which are the three things which we're going to deal with, and which is the partnership, the giving, and prayer, right? The partnership, the giving, and the prayer, which Paul focuses on here. It's nice to see everybody again. It's been uh, quite a while since I've been here. With the schedules just have not managed to synchronize. They didn't quite synchronize, um, but I moved things away, so I will actually be on an airplane tomorrow night. Uh, and I'll be away for a couple of weeks uh, in Kenya and Uganda. So if you can remember that in prayer, that would be wonderful. Uh, Would you turn with me to the reading today? The reading of the text is from Philippians, and there's just two sections that I want us to look at, opening almost and closing section of the book of Philippians. Uh, Just for those of you who don't know, sorry, I should just... Briefly introduce myself. Uh, I am a, a, a member of Covenant PCA. I've been in the presbytery since 2003, uh, and uh, most of the time, although I'm at Covenant, I don't do pastoral visits because I'm always somewhere else because uh, I travel a lot with the mission. So we, we travel a great deal, um, and God has opened doors for us. And, and uh, one of the things I'm going to mention later on is just you know pray. We need more people. It just keeps growing, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and we can't. Keep up. So we've got places in Africa, Europe, China, um, a lot in South America and Central America. Have you found Philippians chapter 1 and the first 11 verses? And then we're going to go from there to Philippians chapter 4. Let's pray quickly. Father, open our eyes, uh, help us to see, give us wisdom. Uh, may your Holy Spirit, who wrote the text, write it upon our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Paul, Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ. To all the saints in Christ who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy. Because, and here's one of the themes and the three themes are going to be partnership, giving and prayer. Because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. Then he goes on for it is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and my confirmation of the gospel. Again, that theme of partnership. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with the affection of Jesus Christ and Paul's partnering with them. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more with all knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Then we go to Philippians 4.10. Uh, And we read the following, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learnt in whatever situation I am to be content. For I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. And in every circumstance I have learnt the secret of facing plenty, hunger, abundance abundance and need, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my need, and again, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. For I have received full payment, I am, and more, I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply your every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. If I was to ask you what the main theme of Philippians is, what would jump to mind? What would jump to mind? You, you might say perseverance, and we read that classic, one of the classic texts there, right? Um, that he will, he will keep you going, right? He will maintain you, and will work the, he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. And that would be a wonderful thing, and you can go to chapter 2 and, and build that out. Maybe you're thinking on that wonderful passage of Christology, right? That great hymn in in chapter 2, which talks about the excellent work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Maybe if you've got a different uh, bend of mind, you you might be thinking of that strange statement where he calls the Jews the dogs, right? That might have caught your attention. Um, Maybe you've seen Paul saying our citizenship is in heaven and, and counting all things but loss. And all of these are, are valid themes. But underneath all of these themes is actually the theme that we're talking about today. The partnership in the gospel. Because, of course, none of these would have been expressed had there not been that partnership in the gospel. And there's a beautiful interaction here. It's very, very simple. I don't know about you. The more I study theology, the more I realize it's always the obvious. It's, and it's always the simple and the obvious which which comes to my mind. And there's this beautiful, beautiful interaction. Paul goes, he's there, he founds a church. And then how does that work keep going? Well, the very church that's been founded by the Apostle Paul then supports the Apostle Paul and helps the Apostle Paul in going forwards. And they become his partners and they go forward in order to spread the gospel to the whole world, right? to the whole world. Now, there are, there are a few places in Scripture where we see this dynamic playing out because it is a, a New Testament dynamic. And you could go to 3 John, all right? And if you went to the book of 3 John, and I would encourage you to do that maybe this afternoon, full of instruction, the good guys, bad guys, faithful guys, unfaithful guys, proud people, humble people. Um, but again, the underlying, the underlying reason for John actually having to write that letter is missionaries were sent to the church, and they were to then be supported by the church and then sent out from the church. So you could look at 3 John, but what is unique, particularly here, and it, it does come in other places, but unique here, is that this is formal, written to the formal church at this location. Look, it's to all the saints of Jesus Christ who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons. So this has been written to the church there as a church, not just to individuals like in 3 John, but it's written to the church as a church. And we see this, don't we? I mean, we see it playing out, and and I want to both confirm what has been done and encourage you to continue to do what you are doing in the context of missions, because because these are the biblical principles, right? These are the biblical principles. So... um, there is individual giving within the PCA, but there are also these formal relationships that we have. And, and, and within the churches of the PCA, there are formal relationships, right? With the church enters into to pray for him, to support his missionary activity. Uniquely with Paul, because he's the guy who was there and instrumental by Christ to start that church. But that principle remains, right? That is a basic, basic principle ...that runs through the missions in the New Testament. So he talks then about partnership in the gospel. Partnership. And what does he mean? You could use the word partnership. You could use the word fellowship. It's being together, right? Joining together. But of course it's joining together... ...not just because you like the people that you're with... ...and I do hope you do like the people that you're with, right? It's a lot better than the alternative when you come to church... ...and you don't like everybody... It's not just that, and that plays an important part, but it's joining together, it's fellowship for a purpose, right? Fellowship for a common purpose. Fellowship, in this context, for a shared hope and a shared vision. And, of course, it's all based around the wonder of that gospel message, right? That hope of salvation that Christ has brought. That great and wonderful thing that God so loved the world that he sent forth his only begotten son. So our fellowship is based then around this gospel message. And that becomes the source of partnership. As I said, it was a unique situation back in that church. And you think back, don't you, to the book of Acts. uh, And you think of the story of Lydia and how the Lord did what opened her heart. As he's sitting down, they go down to the river. There wasn't enough people there to do something, so there wasn't enough people for a synagogue, and he goes down to the river seemingly, and there we get his, his hardship, the wrong that happens to him, and how God then even turns that around, isn't it? That's that hard thing to believe when the wrongs happen, and God turns that around, and you get the story of the Philippian jailer. And all of a sudden, a nucleus of a church is being dealt, has grown, Right? And so they had real fellowship with Paul in, in a unique way. They were those who, who had been brought into the faith by Paul. They could rejoice with Paul in their common salvation, and that is the ground of that fellowship. But then even further, this was a church that deliberately sought to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. They wanted to see the glory of God being extended. They wanted to see the name of Christ being lifted up and they wanted to see men being blessed and coming to salvation and that's what's behind that word the partnership of the gospel the partnership of the gospel so just by very quick application we'll, you know firstly just you know i'll remember we're here for a purpose aren't we we're here for a purpose. It's, it's a wonderful thing to gather with other Christians, and it is. And We enjoy their fellowship, and we do, and we should. But we should always be reminding ourselves of that bigger picture. That bigger picture. right? That, that, that thing that Paul reminds them of later on, where he says our citizenship is in heaven. And encouraging one another to that end. And building one and up, one another up to that end. And then, as I said, the other thing about this partnership here is that intentional and deliberate way that they sought to walk alongside Paul to take the gospel to the far parts of the earth. They knew he was in prison, right? Where is he writing from at this particular time? In, in prison. They knew that he had particular needs, emotional needs and, and in this case financial needs. And they are so taken up with the fact that he is their partner, that together they are working together for the gospel, that they reach out to try to do what they can as part of their partnering in the gospel. They can't do it themselves, but they can partner. They can assist. And they intentionally and deliberately do it. And this is, as I said, this is a pattern. Um, It's an example, which is a a wonderful example, which shows us how God in his wisdom desires that the gospel be spread. This this is a template, how God in his wisdom desires that the gospel can be spread. We see it in the life of Jesus. Those who he calls and he brings, he ends up staying in Peter's house for a while, doesn't he? The same principle, the, the woman who supports Jesus Christ in his work as he goes around. This is the principle that we see in, in other parts of the New Testament. It's the principle we see in 3 John, if you're going to have a look in 3 John. This is the way that Christ has ordained that his church would be part of the mission work. Freely you have received freely did it. And it's it's noticeable here because he mentions particularly that not all churches did this. Not all churches did this. And you Philippians, and I'm on 4:15, and you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left no when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except for you only. And he commends them for that. It's not a given. It's not a given. It's something that must be done as an ex- and followed as an example. And they sent Paul a gift to help him in the work. Uh, so the second part of this is how does that manifest itself? Well, there's two ways uh, that it manifests itself. Well, there's, there's more than two ways. Obviously, they knew where he was. They were concerned about him. They showed their love by helping him. But practically, there are two ways, and I'm just going to put two headings. The giving activity of the church is one of them. And so what we see in this letter is Paul giving heartfelt gratitude for the gifts that he has received. Again, 4.15. And you Philippians know, when I left, no church entered into partnership with you except giving and receiving except you only. And he he commends them, and he's saying thank you for what you have done. That's right and proper. And then again, next verse, even in Thessalonica, you said help for my needs once and again. And he's very cognizant of that. And he's and he's grateful and he's thankful for them and their partnership and their fellowship and their help all right a very practical and a very uh, uh practical and real expression of their love for him and their desire to partnership so I, I, one of the things again just throw out some things by way of application i, I had a family visit our church once um and um and one of the things they wanted to see was they said, could we see the budget? Because they were deciding whether they are going to join the church. And we were fairly open about it, so we said, yeah. You know, put all your stuff out there for everybody, right? But it's not to be hidden, and it's not to be put in a corner either. Um, and one of the things that they were, they were very interested in missions, and one of the, thing, the criteria they said was, are you tithing to missions as a church, right? Are you tithing to missions as a church? Because it was deliberate policy for them uh, on doing it. And you know what will happen, and we know that, it, and we fear that it does. And Paul mentions the possibility here: churches can become very inward-focused instead of outward-focused. They can, they can. There's always a million and one things to do, right? I'm just sitting here and I'm thinking about all the lights and all that, which is great, but somebody's got to look after them, right? And I was just thinking, there's always stuff to do, there's always things, and and there's, a, there's a, there can be a tendency to become inward-focused. And forget that idea of partnering in the gospel. Now, this is the bit where the deacons are going to start throwing the hymn books at me and the elders as well. Because, because I just want to mention a particular church that I came across. Uh, and actually, I worshipped with them for a while now. It was a unique situation, right? I'm going to soften the blow, right? It was a unique situation. They gave 50% of their budget to missions. Right? Now, I'm softening the bar. It was a unique situation. There were a couple of, there a small churches and there were a couple of very wealthy people there, right? So the complete dynamic changed. It was a different thing. But, but they had that as a principle that they were trying to do. They actually said they were hoping to get up to 80%. I don't think they ever did. And then I think some of the people moved and the whole dynamic changed again. But the principle was there and it was intentional. It was an, inten- an intentional idea, right? Because in truth, as we think about it, um, and if we think about it, supporting Christian ministries and missions like this is both a privilege and a responsibility, right? It's a privilege and it's a responsibility. It's, it's a responsibility. We know that it is the Lord's command. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel, but not a suggestion, not a request, but a command, all right? Uh, you know, sometimes we get this idea in our mind that, that this sort of outreach, and, and, and I'm Using the broad term of mission, right? Um, This sort of outreach is optional. And really, this is not the way the New Testament looks at things. This is not the way the New Testament thinks. Um, You know, it's not that we're being big-hearted, it's we are being obedient. We are being obedient. So it is a responsibility, but it's also a privilege. And look at look at Paul here in his in his wisdom. He's, he's thanking them for the gift, right? And I'm down in 4.16, 4.17, and in that second section there. And he says this, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Isn't that interesting, right? So, so now Paul's thinking ahead. He says, look, look, I, I know, and you've blessed me, and you've been really helpful and I am, you know, Paul is always two steps ahead in his thinking, right? We, we might say, thank you. It's been good. Thank you. I might get to the level of saying thank you, and I do say thank you. Um, and by the way, and I say a lot to the people that I interact with, I am available to do this because churches support me, individuals support me to be able to do this. And you are recipients of their grace and their favor towards me, which reflects outwards, right? So I could maybe get to thank you, but look at Paul, that I seek the fruit, he goes further, that I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Right? He's saying, when you do this, I really want you to do this, not not necessarily, and he's saying, not because of me. He goes on to say, I, I'm full, I abound. I know how to be full, I know how to be empty. Good, good, good reflection for me as I'm writing this, right? Do I know how to be full and how, how to be empty? But Paul's thinking, and he says, I seek the fruit to increase to your credit. I want you to do these things. I want you to be involved because they are to your credit. Yes, brethren, we believe in justification by faith alone. We believe in faith without works. But works done in Christ by faith matter. They are are known. They are remembered. To use agricultural language, which Paul hears, they bear fruit. And remember, he also writes from the same prison's Ephesians You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God has prepared for those who love him. Right? This is part of the, the good works and the fruit which pleases God, right? And, and flows out. Paul actually describes this work as a priestly ministry, right? Just remember the priesthood, the earthly priesthood, in its Old Testament form has finished. But what it really meant was it's come to a greater fulfillment It's come to, it's been transformed by Christ's work. So he uses priestly language, intercessory, a priest stood between God and the world or God and the people to make intercession for them. That was part of the priestly work, right? Obviously, Christ's work is unique and, and he alone dies and he alone is that final sacrifice. But that idea of priesthood continues in the New Testament. And so he says it's a fragrant offering. This is priestly language, a fragrant offering. A sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. What they were doing as a church was something which is acceptable and pleasing to God. Acceptable? Well, that's good. I'm glad it's acceptable. But even more, it is well-pleasing or pleasing to God. So it's a privilege and it's a responsibility. Now we get on to that last point of prayer. The last point of prayer. Um, Through regular meaningful prayer for those who are taking the gospel message beyond the reach of the church here, and I, I do thank you for having Tim and the hoax up, uh, and I know that you pray for, for myself as well, and I'm very grateful for that. He is isolated at this point, he is alone, he is in prison, it ain't nearly as nice as the prisons down here, right? This is not good. And, and he's very cognizant of where he is and what his need is, very cognizant He says, look, if you go to Philippians 1.19, and we're just jumping around the letter, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So he's very, very cognizant of his need for their prayers in a very difficult situation. It's an interesting contrast, and I don't know if you, you picked this up. Paul does say, I can get by without your money, but he doesn't say, I can get by without your prayers. I would bet, on average, we probably think about it the other way around, right? We probably think about it more the other way around. In our better moments, we think about it the right way around, right? But just as a good reminder, he he, he says this, right? He, He never says, I'm full, I'm abounding, I have everything I need, don't bother to pray for me. He never says, I've learned to be content, I've learned to be fine. He never says that. What, what a world of difference Paul put on the prayers of the saints for his mission and for his work and how it would go forward and how the gospel would be extended. Um, it's likely, isn't it, that, that wherever we are, we've probably missed that. You know, probably out of sight, out of mind. But it's a good reminder isn't it? It's a very, very good reminder for that. Um, so what did Paul pray for, and I'm going to be quite quick about this. Uh, his own personal protection, very, very practically he's in prison, right, Look at, remember the context when you start to read a letter the first thing you should be doing is trying to figure out the context of a letter, right, all letters have contexts. Every letter you've ever received has had a context, what's the context? He's in his own, he's in, he's, in, he's in prison. He's at prison at the time. He's had difficulties and trouble. And so he will say to them these things, right? That these things will turn out through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ. This will turn out for my deliverance. Isn't it a wonderful thing that the church and we as believers are instrumental in bringing in the kingdom of God. It is completely a work of God. And at the same time, we are directly instrumental And when you pray the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, that is exactly what you're doing. You're praying and being a part, and and the kingdom advances through the prayers of the church. And I can say that without being an Ominian, right? So he prays for his own personal protection. He prays for the success in the particular ministry. Uh, I'm going to jump to 2 Thessalonians 3. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. Has happened amongst you, that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith. Right? Success in the ministry. Um, Boldness in sharing Christ. Now, you wouldn't think that with the Apostle Paul. He seems to be a pretty bold character, doesn't he? Uh, But boldness in sharing Christ. Ephesians, let me just give you some references, Ephesians 6.19, also for me that the word may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Uh, Colossians 4, 3 and 4, at the same time pray for us also that God might open to us a door um, for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am a prisoner, that I might make it clear how I ought to speak. Uh, 2 Thessalonians three 3.1, a lot of this comes from frankly Jerry Bridges, I, I, he done an excellent piece on this so i I took a lot of it um finally brothers pray for us that the word of the lord may speed ahead and be honored and and another place and this is the words of christ and i'm going to sort of bring things to a conclusion here matthew 9 pray for the lord of the harvest to send out laborers this is one of the ways that things grow right god sends out laborers they labor and the gospel will be extended Be be quite specific. We don't know who those laborers are. Uh, I will tell you right now, at Mintz, we are desperately short-staffed. We really need people to come alongside. It's getting bigger and bigger. Please pray earnestly to the Lord to send out people who would be willing to come alongside us and help us in the task that we have and for other missions. By the way, the general level of missionaries going out within the PCA is falling. It's just falling Getting less and less and less, and that's probably a reflection. I I fear it's a reflection of where we are spiritually, right? Um, So we need those things. Let me bring to a conclusion. Let me quote formally, Jerry Bridges, to you, fellowship or partnership in the gospel is not an activity to be enjoyed as much as a responsibility to be fulfilled, and it's both of those. Let's not play one against the other too hard, all right? But it's both. It is both a privilege, an enjoyment, and a responsibility, All right? And it is effective. That partnership is real, powerful, and effective under the sovereign leading hand of God and the Spirit in extending the kingdom to all the world. So, again, personally, thank you for your support and your prayers um, and your fellowship and partnership in the gospel. And be encouraged. These are the biblical principles that we see from this particular text. Let's pray.